Welcome to Voices of E-Learning, reflecting the people living and breathing the future of education and online learning with your host, J.W. Marshall. Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of Voices of E-Learning. I'm your host, J.W. Marshall with MarketScale, and we're glad that you found us today. We've got a great guest lined up for uh, today's episode, a book release, if you will. Uh, our guest is Jim Barber, and he is the Senior Associate Dean for Academic Programs and Associate Professor of Education at William & Mary. Jim, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, JW? I'm doing great. And I have to say, a lot of my guests uh, I do not know uh, from uh, before the podcast, but today, Jim and I go back almost 20 years, which, gosh, makes me feel old. Um, I was an undergraduate student at Southern Methodist University when I first met Jim. And uh, was a pretty involved student, was a resident assistant, uh, played on the football team, had a lot of uh, a activities going outside of uh, the academic world, even though I was very, uh, uh, you know, engaged in that as well. And, and that kind of ties into Jim's book. So uh, Jim has a new book that came out in October, Facilitating the Integration of Learning. And Jim, to kick off for our audience, if you could just give a little bit of background on yourself and a little bit of background on the book. Sure. Well, Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to that conversation today. Um, the way that you that you talked about your background is a great lead-in to to my background. So you mentioned that we first met um, at SMU back in the day, and at that time I was working in student affairs. So I was an administrator that worked with students outside of the classroom. I worked with residence life. I worked with fraternities and sororities. I worked with leadership programs, all co-curricular aspects of the college experience. And I loved that work and the, the students that I had a chance to work with. And that work in student affairs led me to um, pursue a PhD in education. And it was research that I did in that PhD program that really piqued my interest in integration of learning, which is, is the topic of my book. And um, that work in, in my graduate program led me to a faculty position here at William & Mary, which is in Williamsburg, Virginia. And over the last um, 15 years or so, I've really been um, focused on this idea of integration of learning and um, how we can help students to better connect what they're learning in different aspects of their lives. And so just to kind of go a little deeper into, you know, what is the integration of learning? What's the foundation that uh, maybe seems obvious on the surface, but is really a, a deeper uh, connection uh, that facilitators can help make with students? Sure. Well, at its core, integration of learning is how people connect what they're learning in different contexts, different areas of their lives. Um, we live in a very compartmentalized world. And so we learn things in the classroom. We learn things at home. We learn things with groups or organizations. We learn things at work. Um, and the integration of learning is how do we connect what we're learning in those different areas? How do we connect um, knowledge that is 
obtained in those different areas and, and leverage it in, in other areas. And so who would be the target audience for this book? I think the target audience for this book is anybody who is involved in um, the educational enterprise. And by that, I mean very broadly um, from K through 12 educators to college educators, even into graduate school. And my definition of educator, again, is is pretty broad. So I'm not focused only on people who are um, in the classroom as a teacher or a professor. I think that this book is also really relevant to folks who are working with with education outside of the classroom. So coaches, administrators, um, staff members, internship supervisors. I think that the ideas of facilitating integration of learning in this book would, would really be helpful for folks across the educational spectrum. And this is a topic that there's not a whole lot of resources on. Is that part of why you saw the need to write this book? It is. Um, when I was working in student affairs, um, I would see this kind of integration every day. I didn't have a, a term for it at that point. But every day in my office, I would have students come in and talk about what they were learning in their majors, in their, in their classroom experiences, and tell me how they were using that information in their student organizations. Um, so, for example, uh, a student talking about how um, they used what they were learning in their finance coursework to um, do a better job in their role as a treasurer of a student organization. These were, were conversations that were pretty common in my work in student affairs. And I loved seeing those sparks when students would realize, oh, I can take something that I learned in the classroom and use it in um, another context. And so when um, I went into my graduate program to, to study education, I really decided that I wanted to study this kind of integration of learning across contexts. And I was actually surprised that there wasn't much literature about this kind of integration. And so I set out to, um, to really research this topic. And this book is based on a larger um, study of liberal arts education that um, that we undertook uh, over 900 interviews with college students to ask them about their educational experiences over a four-year period. Wow, that sounds like a lot of work. Did you do all 900 of those uh, interviews, or did you have a team help, hopefully helping you? Yes, thankfully I did not do all 900 of those interviews by myself. I had um, the opportunity to be a part of a, a great research team um, that um, worked over the course of four years to collect those interviews across the country. Wow. And then just looking, that was a part of the Wabash National Study of Liberal Arts Education. And not only did you do 924 interviews, but those were across 315 uh, colleges. Is that correct? No, it was um, 315 students. It was across six campuses 
um, across the country. And so the really neat aspect of the study is that it was a longitudinal study. So we um, got to go back to the same campuses over four years and interview the same students from their first year through their senior year. And um, that was really rewarding as, as a researcher because um, you got to follow these individual students through their college career and check in with them once a year for these annual interviews to find out um, what they were learning, how they were using it, and, and how they were developing as learners over time. That's amazing. And I can just think back to my own college experience uh, playing football, for instance, uh, really gave me discipline that I used in academics and and really have used throughout my professional career, uh, being a resident assistant and the things I learned and kind of coaching others is another you know great example. Um, and, and that just kind of happened. Obviously, there were some great uh, faculty and administrators around me making it happen as well, maybe uh, not as intentionally as the book lays out. Um, I think we've laid a pretty good foundation. Now, what, where does the facilitating come in? What are the key takeaways that someone reading this book um, will connect some dots and, and be more intentional with this facilitation of integrated learning? Yeah, so what I found in, um, in conducting and analyzing these interviews is that there were some some commonalities in the experiences where I saw students integrating learning. Um, there were five practices that kept showing up in these students' experiences, and those were mentoring, writing, encouraging juxtaposition of ideas, hands-on experiences, and then finally embracing diversity and identity. And so regardless of the context where this, uh, where the integration was happening for a student, these five practices were really common um, among those integrative experiences. And so I started to think more about that, and, and that became the, the seed for this book that I wanted to put together um, a guide for educators to help, um, help them help students to integrate learning uh, more easily. And maybe uh, just a little bit on each one of those. I know um, I'm also uh, furthering my education with an executive MBA right now and, and just took a class on the difference between mentoring and coaching, uh, which I thought was really interesting. Um, in what aspect do you see mentoring uh, you know, having an impact in the integration of learning? The role of, of mentoring is really important, and I saw it as a really powerful tool in facilitating integration of learning. And it can also be very simple. And so often um, the start of, of mentoring was simply asking a student what they're learning. Uh, I was surprised in conducting these interviews with students that... Um, they were really eager to talk about what they were learning. And um, it was really interesting to me how often students would, would, uh, would say, nobody's really asked me that. Nobody has really asked me what I'm learning or, or to think about that. And so this idea of mentoring, it doesn't have to be um, a really time-consuming 
experience. It can be something that simply starts with a 15 minute conversation about tell me what you're learning. Let's talk about that. Well, and it sounds like that also ties into the importance of reflection, uh, which is something that really struck me as uh, taking the time to be introspective and reflect on what you're learning and how it applies. Um, how is that playing a role here as well? Reflection I found to be essential across all of these five practices. And I, I write in the book about how reflection really is the foundation for integration. Um, I believe wholeheartedly that um, in this world, we do not give ourselves enough time to reflect. I think that you need time um, just to process what you're learning. And our world is so fast paced. Um, it, it's you know, you go straight from one thing onto the next, whether it's, you know, moving from one class to the next or moving from class to work or whatever it is. Um, we don't often build in time just to think about what we're learning, what knowledge we are using and, and how we might connect that to what we're learning, you know, in the next class or in the next context or in the next activity that we're doing. And, and I can definitely see how that would uh, play into the, the next area of writing. Um, I know students don't always love to write. Um, talk to us a little bit about the importance of writing and, and how that looks here in the integrated uh, learning. Yeah, well, I think um, that it doesn't have to be formal writing. And so you mentioned that, you know, not every student may be excited about writing, um, but students are writing all the time. It may not be a research paper. It may be a text or a tweet or um, engaging in some other type of, of social media. But writing is something that is um, an essential part of communicating to other people what we're learning, as well as communicating and documenting for ourselves what we're learning. And so when I think about writing, it's not just the formal assignments that may um, be front of mind when we talk about writing in an educational context. It could also be journaling and just documenting privately for yourself how you're thinking about things and how you're putting things together. Um, it could be informal writing to friends through a, a text message or social media app. And so I think there's lots of different ways that we can leverage writing as educators that um, that fall outside of, of that formal idea of, of a research paper or a school assignment. And I love that. Uh, touche, students do write all the time. I, I know for a lot of them, um, they could even look back on their social media from a year ago or five years ago and s reflect and see growth and things like that. So that is a really great point. Um, next, you have the, the encouragement of juxtaposition of ideas. Um, that sounds like one that would need a little more uh, thought and strategy. Yeah, so, so juxtaposition is simply putting two things side by side that, um, that may conflict with one another or may um, be oppositional and then thinking through, well, how, how might those be connected and so, um, I mean, we see this in, in the classroom environment 
all the time where teachers put together perhaps two books that have differing points of view and um, students then compare and contrast how those different characters might be uh, approaching a topic. Um, I think that we also see that just in our daily lives that we're um, constantly, you know, looking at information that may not line up, you know, and, and forced to think about, well, how can I hold these two perspectives or hold these two um, points of view in my mind at the same time and make sense of those? And so this idea of juxtaposition is, again, another tool that educators can use to help students in that process of of connecting learning. I love that. And so for an example, you would learn maybe something in um, a class and then have an experience on the intramural field and then a different experience uh, in a social setting. And it would be kind of taking the time to reflect on those differences and, and how those interplay. Is that, am I getting that right? Exactly. And just thinking through, okay, this, this, uh, these experiences were different in, you know, certain ways. Let me think about how they were different. Let me think about the similarities. Let me think about why things might have played out differently in those contexts and then use that juxtaposition in a way that that eventually, you know, helps the student to to make sense of of how that learning can be applied perhaps differently in those different contexts. Perfect. And and I feel that hands-on experience is pretty self-explanatory. So let me skip forward to uh, embracing diversity. Um, obviously, that's a, a key component uh, that, that plays into to all of these as well. Um, how can educators be even more intentional with that uh, embracing diversity component? Yeah, well, it's actually um, two two ideas that are that are combined in that idea. So it's embracing diversity and identity. And so what I write about um, in this practice is um, the dual goals, the dual aims of both um, diversifying the environments that we're working in. So from an educator's perspective, how are, are we making sure that the classes, the activities, um, the environments that we're creating as educators are um, attractive and open to a diverse range of students in a lot of different ways. It could be race and ethnicity. It could be gender. It could be um, sexual orientation. It could be faith. Um, but how are we as educators really embracing diversity and creating environments that are, that are open to diversity? The other part of this is identity. And so really making sure that students feel comfortable bringing their whole selves into an educational experience. Again, whether that's in a formal classroom, on an athletic field, in a residence hall, in a student group, um, how do we make sure that students feel comfortable bringing their full identity into those educational experiences. And I think that those, um, those aspects of diversity and identity are really important because in a lot of ways, who we are 
really relates to how we learn. And so um, if we don't invite students in uh, into those educational experiences fully, then I think we're not really making the most of those educational experiences. I love that. And, and I, of course, was a resident assistant with uh, working with freshman students. Um, and I would always tell them in their first weeks and months, you know, this is a golden opportunity to think about who, who you were before in high school and growing up, who you feel like you are now and who do you want to be. And, and this is a really critical time. Your freshman year is a big transition in your life. Um, and a lot of students really took that to heart and reflected. So uh, my big question to you is, was I on point with that or uh, was I leading the students astray? Absolutely. I think that um, that in, that kind of encouragement from an educator, and I would consider a resident uh, a resident assistant to be an educator. Um, sometimes that encouragement from an educator to say you can bring your whole self into this experience, um, you can be who you are in this experience is all that it takes. And, and so I think that you're totally on point in the advice that, that you gave your first year students back in the day. Oh, I feel so much better now. Um, what was something that would, <laughs> our audience would be surprised to learn um, about this topic? I think the audience would be surprised to learn that um, students were integrating learning all the time. So an interesting thing that I found in my research is that um, integration of learning was happening pretty frequently. Um, what was missing is that it wasn't often intentional on the part of the educator. And so where students were integrating, it was largely on their own or with their peers, with friends. And there weren't many examples of experiences where an educator um, set out to help or facilitate integration of learning for the students. And I think um, that's really a great opportunity that we have in terms of, of um, education is really training um, educators, again, broadly, um, on how to facilitate integration of learning for students. And so we're, we're trained very specifically as educators in whatever field um, we're in. And so my training is in education. And so I've been trained as an educator. Um, a chemistry professor has been trained as a chemist. Um, you as an RA were trained um, to work with students in the residence hall. We're all very siloed and very specialized in the way that we are brought into education. Um, but training in terms of how to facilitate learning across those boundaries is rare. And so I think that is, um, again, a, a huge opportunity for um, us as educators to better learn how we can help students learn across those boundaries. And these principles apply whether you're on campus or in person with uh, students or if you're online. Obviously, here in 2020, the, the pandemic has driven 
most of our learning online or at least a hybrid format. Um, are there any specific um, things to note as far as facilitating uh, the integration of learning through a remote setting versus in person? Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that over the last eight or nine months um, as I've been like like many of us working from home um, with my kids. I have, I have two school-aged kids who have been doing remote learning. Um, and I think that this time of pandemic has, has illustrated um, the great need and the great opportunities for integration of learning because we're situated in our home environment and through technology, through Zoom and other platforms, we're able to move really rapidly through different uh, contexts that maybe a year ago we would have actually, you know, gotten up and walked to a, to a different room or driven to a different environment. But we're doing all of these things largely in our homes. And I think that it really um, shows us how we can use these five practices to help students um, make those connections across context and realize that, that they really can leverage the information, the knowledge that they have in their home environment where they're where they're taking their classes, where they're engaged in learning, and use that in a more formal classroom setting. And so, one of the things that I've that I've really appreciated during the pandemic is that you get to see a little bit of people's lives. And so, you you um, may be in a meeting for work, and you see people's kids, you know, come into the the screen or their pets. Um, I think the same is true for for kids in a K through twelve environment. I've uh, made more than one appearance in the background of my my kids, um, you know, science or math or reading classes. And so I think the, um, the opportunity is there to really um, break down some of those boundaries that we have, um, that we have had in the past, and really leverage, you know, how you might use the learning that you gain from your home, from your family, from uh, your culture, and use it in other environments that may be, you know, more formal in terms of the classroom. Yeah, and it seems to me that many of us were were in some set routines pre-pandemic, which is not a bad thing. But again, maybe just going from thing to thing, class to class, without really evaluating, you know, this connection. And now it seems like during the pandemic, people are being more um, reflective just inherently and more intentional on their schedules and, and what they're doing. So it seems like this would be a, a perfect time for a book like this um, as people are, are kind of uh, already taking an inventory of things and hopefully planning uh, for next year to get back into some more routine uh, out-of-the-house activities. Um, do you see this as, as a really good time to kind of uh, integrate these principles now and start putting them into practice to prep for 2021? Absolutely. I think that these five practices really um, work well in both the virtual world as well as in in-person. 
um, experiences. And so one of the things that, that um, I've realized is that even um, hands-on learning, which is one of the, of the practices, can be done really well in, um, in the virtual setting. And so we've seen um, teachers, educators really embrace this time um, as an opportunity to, to get students engaged in different ways. And so I think we're learning a lot of things in the pandemic environment that are going to continue on into 2021 and, and beyond. Um, I think an example that we see in higher education is office hours that I think that office hours um, have been changed forever. I think that with Zoom and and um, other you know forms of electronic meeting, we've made it really easy for students and um, faculty to connect um, without you know setting up a, a specific location where where you need to come and and visit. Um, to ask questions, you know, and talk about what we're learning. We can do that virtually in a way that, that seems um, much more convenient. And um, so I think that, that as we move to a post-pandemic world, we'll see some of these practices that, that um, stay with us, even as we move back into more in-person interactions. I love it. And you beat me to my last question again. What What's going to stick moving forward? Um, so you are, are right on point. Um, and I know for me, office hours are one thing I wish I would have taken more advantage of in college. And had I had this efficient way to just Zoom a professor for five or 10 minutes, probably would have done that a lot, a lot more. So uh, to any students out there listening, take advantage of this time uh, and Zoom with uh, your professors, with your faculty. They would love to hear from you. Well, it is December, um, and so, of course, we've got a holiday special. Uh, Jim's book publisher um, has graciously offered our listeners a great promotion, uh, free shipping, and 30% off uh, books purchased using the code IOL20, Integration of Learning 20, uh, and you can click on the blog link um, to get the book. This would be a great Christmas present uh, for yourself, or better yet, for your entire staff, uh, if you've got a staff, um, so that they can read this book over the holidays and bring some fresh ideas into uh, the spring semester. Jim, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much. I enjoyed it. And to my audience, thank you so much for joining us. As always, uh, check out past uh, podcast episodes on the website, and we'll look forward to seeing you on our next episode. Thanks again, and always keep learning. 